A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. In his apostolic letter of September 30th, 2019, Pope Francis established that the third Sunday in ordinary time is to be the Sunday of the Word of God. He wrote, this is a day to be devoted to the celebration, study, and spreading of the Word of God. It's interesting because these two readings, our first reading in gospel, talks about the spreading of the word of God. In our first reading, we have Jonah, who has been given a task to give God's word to the people of Nineveh. And as Jonah went through that city, the people believed him that God would destroy the city in 40 days And so they turned to God with contrition in their hearts, setting aside their clothes and wearing sackcloths and sitting in ashes. And because of this, because he saw their true contrition in their hearts, God did not destroy that city. So powerful was his word. And in today's gospel reading from Mark's gospel, Jesus comes to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment, he says. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So powerful was that message that these fishermen threw down their nets, following him and becoming his disciples. Pope Francis is clear from the very first paragraph of that apostolic letter that the relationship between the risen Lord, a community of believers, and sacred scripture is essential to who we are as Christians. He writes, The Bible as sacred scripture thus speaks of Christ and proclaims him as the one 
who had to endure suffering and then enter into his glory. Not simply a part, but the whole of Scripture speaks of Christ. Apart from the Scriptures, his death and resurrection cannot be rightly understood. That is why one of the most ancient confessions of faith stressed that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. Since the Scriptures everywhere speak of Christ, they enable us to believe that his death and resurrection are not myth, but history, and are central to the faith of his disciples. We are truly privileged to have a God not only that loves us, but wants to reveal himself to us, wants to reveal that his true nature is love, wants to reveal that out of that love he sent his Son to become one of us, and the Son willingly gave up his life on the cross for our salvation, and a God who loves us that he sent his Spirit to dwell in the hearts of all who believe. Sacred Scripture is one of the primary ways that God reveals all of these things to us. But the Pope goes on to write, Sacred Scripture and the sacraments are thus inseparable. When the sacraments are introduced and illumined by God's word, they become ever more clearly they become ever more clearly the goal of a process whereby Christ opens our minds and hearts to acknowledge his saving work. Each and every time we come to celebrate the Eucharist on Sunday, we hear from typically the Old Testament, as we did today. We join together and sing one of the oldest hymns in our in the Bible from the book of Psalms. We hear from one of the pastoral letters in the New Testament and, of course, from the Gospel. But that is not the only time that the words of sacred scripture appear on our lips in the celebration of the Mass. From Luke's Gospel, And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We recognize that as the announcements to the shepherds of the fact that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. But every time we gather together, we begin our Mass by joining with those angels in proclaiming glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then from the book of Revelation, the first creature resembled a lion, the second was like a calf, and the third a face like that of a human being and the fourth looked like an eagle in flight. 
The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, were covered with eyes inside and out. Day and night they do not stop exclaiming, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. First off, the description of those three creatures in the tradition of the church have represented the evangelists, those who wrote the gospel. The lion representing Mark, the calf, Luke, the one who represents a human being, Matthew, and the fourth living creature, the eagle in flight, representing the Gospel of John. But once again, we join with all of, the, all of those in heaven. Right before we begin the Eucharistic prayer, by putting the words of those creatures on our lips, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. And the final example comes from Matthew's Gospel. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion approached him and appealed to him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. Jesus said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion said in reply, Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. I've always found it interesting that the la one of the last words on our lips before we come forward to receive our Lord in Holy Communion comes from a Roman centurion whose faith was so strong that he believed that Jesus could cure his servant. And so we put his words on our lips. Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be healed. The Pope goes on to write, since faith comes from hearing, and what is heard is based on the word of Christ, believers are bound to listen attentively to the word of God, both in the celebration of the liturgy and in their personal prayer and reflection. The word of God is truly a living word of God. It speaks to us even some 2,000 years after Jesus has walked on this earth. It has meaning for us today. We hear it when we come together and celebrate our, the liturgies of the church, but we also hear it in the quiet of our homes, in our personal prayer and reflection on sacred scripture. But the Pope also goes on to write how sacred scripture should impact us. To listen to sacred scripture and then to practice mercy. This is the great challenge for before us in life. God's word has the power to open our eyes and to enable us to renounce a stifling and barren individualism 
and instead to embark on a new path of sharing and solidarity. When we reflect on sacred scripture, when we hear the word proclaimed during the sacraments of Christ's church, it should make a difference in our hearts. It should cause our hearts to turn away from our self-centered desires, turn towards our God, who gives us an example of his love for us, not because we are worthy, only because we are loved. That conversion of heart is a lifelong journey, turning our hearts to the God who loved us before we were born. But sacred scripture is one of the primary tools we use to further that process along. And finally, Pope Francis concludes this letter by saying, St. Augustine once wrote, Someone in the midst of the crowd, seized with enthusiasm, cried out, Blessed is the womb that bore you. And Jesus replied, Rather, blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. As if to say, My mother, whom you call blessed, is indeed blessed. Blessed because she keeps the word of God not because in her the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but because she keeps that same word of God by which she was made and by which in her womb became flesh. My dear friends, we have the greatest example of a disciple of Jesus in Mary, his mother and our mother. And so as we continue this celebration, let us ask Mary, to continue to intercede to her son on our behalf, but also to follow her example of dedication in following the word of God. This is the way that we grow as being disciples of her son, our Lord and Savior, but it's also the way that we grow into what we were created, sons and daughters of the living God. <clears throat>